Welcome back to another Best of Here in the Out of Character podcast feed. I'm your host, Ryan Satin. And before we get to the biggest parts of Raw and SmackDown this week, as well as my favorite part of my interview with Mad Cat Moss, I first want to give a little bit of love to someone who left a review for this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Craigine LIS11 said, I first found out about this at Mania in Dallas, and I've listened to them all and love listening to them. As you hear things you don't know, about any of them. Just wanted to give a little love to him because I really do appreciate when you guys leave a review on there. I I know I push you guys to do it every week. So when I see them on there, it does fill my heart with joy. I really like that you guys are enjoying all these podcasts. It's why I do it. So the reviews make a difference. All right, let's get into the actual best of content. Let's get to the biggest parts of Raw this week. We get AJ Styles versus Theory, and at one point, Theory's on the outside, shoves Ziggler to the ground. Dolph Ziggler, uh, you know, angrily gets back up, but still doesn't get involved until the end when he hits a super kick on Theory as the ref's back was turned, and he eventually got counted out of the match. Okay, so I don't know if it's just me, but winning Money in the Bank seems to have given Theory more confidence on TV, and it's starting to show. Like, the way he handled the what chance was really impressive. And, like, some people crumble under that sort of thing, but he really didn't. He, If anything, he responded in a way that made um, the audience want to boo more, but not in a way that made it look like it was affecting him. It was more, like, like maybe his character, but not the performer. The performer didn't seem thrown off by the what chance, and sometimes I find that to be impressive because it's got to be difficult to have that many people trying to throw you off balance at once. And I feel like, I don't know, man, just like when I was watching him tonight, it was the first time where where I where I said to myself, you know, like, I, should, I don't know about the first time, but I know while I was watching, I was thinking to myself, this guy really looks like he belongs here. You know, he, he looks like he could maybe be a future world champ. You know, for a long time, I think that it's been hard to see that because he's been so good at being a heel, maybe, or because he was getting, you know, shoved, you know, he, I shouldn't say shoved down our throats, but because he was getting pushed so hard on TV, I think that... Um, Sometimes I have this weird thing where if if everybody likes something or if something's being pushed too hard on me, I, and I think other people have this as well, they either resent it or they're like, eh, I'm not going to like it yet. Maybe when everyone calms down about it. So that can be me with a lot of things outside of wrestling, you know, just in pop culture. And so maybe I might have had a little bit of that in me with the way theory was getting pushed. But I really did, when I was watching tonight, think to myself, this guy is definitely a future world champion if if the cards are played correctly. I don't know if he should be cashing on Roman Reigns or should happen when it should be happening or what. But I was watching myself. I was watch, I was thinking to myself, this guy does have have as much potential as everybody says. All right, let's get to the big part of this show now. Miz TV with Logan Paul. Logan comes out with his energy drink, slams it to the ground. Asks if Miz accepts his challenge or not. Miz tells him to hold up and says to remember the better times. He then shows footage of WrestleMania 
that ends before the school crushing finale he gave to Logan. That was a great touch. Uh, I laughed at that. That it was like, oh, no, look at the better times. Nope, nothing else to see here. Nothing else to see here at all. But Logan asks for the truck to keep playing the footage. And it shows how things really ended. Logan says, I want you know, I want to wrestle you at SummerSlam. I've challenged you. And he continually tries to play the babyface role here by mocking Miz and and playing into the crowd as if they you know as if they're on his side. Uh, Miz tries to talk Logan into thinking that he needs him now that he's in WWE, but Logan rolls his eyes at that. Miz says, you know what, Logan, you have to earn the right to face me, so your challenge is denied. And Logan responds, you don't think I'm ready? You don't think I'm tough enough? <laughs> Which, whoever wrote that for him, nice line. That was good. I'm guessing it was Miz who suggested that one. But it was good nonetheless. And then he says this. This was, uh, <laughs> this was, it was, <laughs> well, let me read it for you. Let me read what he said, and then we'll discuss. He says, uh, I was told I wasn't ready to build a social media career and I revolutionized the industry. I was told I couldn't last in the ring with Mayweather, and I put him on my highlight reel. And I was told I couldn't compete at WrestleMania, but I committed myself, worked my ass uh, out of respect for this sport, and when someone tells me I'm not ready for something, it only motivates me. And right now, my sole motivation is to prove you wrong and beat the hell out of you at SummerSlam. Those... (laughs) Conflicted about all of this. I really do like to I really like to cheer for people who do motivate you know who are into being motivational um I want to get behind someone who's motivational I just don't think Logan Paul is motivational despite what he's saying here maybe I'm wrong I don't know I don't know um because it's not that I think it's bad to use him I actually think it's brilliant to use him I think he's someone that has a huge audience and if he wants to wrestle and do all this stuff it's brilliant i just i don't know it's like first of all first of all there's only a small portion of the audience or even outside the audience that is going to cheer for somebody who says i was told i wasn't ready to build a social media career and i revolutionized the industry like the the like self-awareness there even in trying to be motivational i laughed to myself because it's like especially the wrestling fan base they hate people who've built their a social media career and not had like a you know a job otherwise like you know like they hate people who've done that and to say that you revolutionized the social media career industry then also <laughs> alienates you from the people you were supposed to be hyping up in this scenario. It's like you... <laughs> it's, it's a line to me when I see that that pisses off both sections of the audience. <laughs> um, and then with Mayweather, you know, the part where he says I was told I couldn't last in the ring with Mayweather and I put him on my highlight reel. We all watched that. It was not a highlight reel worthy moment. It was a, a, a exhibition unreal boxing match. Like what? <laughs> <coughs> yes, 
maybe people said he couldn't compete at WrestleMania and he committed to it and he worked his ass off out of respect for the sport. Smart to say, so that he can be, you know, looked at like Bad Bunny, but I don't think that, you know, just you could see from the work that Bad Bunny put in comparatively that it's not quite the same as what we saw with him. However, still good to say this. Um, I just felt like the intent was so motivational and I laughed at the things that were said in it because it was just like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I think that in order to be a babyface, you have to do some sort of act of heroism at some point. And I, at least to, in my opinion, to be able to turn face. And we haven't really seen that yet. We've just seen him talk about how good he is. And that's kind of what a heel does, which is what he is. So that was my thoughts on that. Uh, Logan says he'll be on Raw next week for Madison Square Garden, where he's going to host an episode of Impulsive TV. Miss says he doesn't care because the answer is still no. Logan says that's the exact answer he'd expect from someone with two blueberries between his legs and gets the crowd to chant tiny balls. Once again, smart to show he's one of the people, a fan, he's been watching, he knows the Miz has tiny balls, just like all the fans. Smart, smart, another good smart line. This one, this one, that one was a good way to get the crowd on his side. Um, and then because of the tiny balls chant, Miz says, you want the Miz versus Logan Paul at SummerSlam? Then I accept. Logan Paul ducks clothesline from the Miz and hits him with a double leg, then clotheslines Miz out of the ring, but Ciampa attacks Logan from behind. They attempt to beat him down, but Logan Paul escapes to the back. Whew! All right. Well, next week should be an interesting show. I'm excited to see it, actually. I think that, you know, regardless of what you think about Logan Paul, what I think about Logan Paul, um, I do find it entertaining to see what he's what he's doing in WWE. So far, it's been an interesting, you know, first, excuse me, second, uh, you know, feud for him. So, yeah, I, 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 I'm interested. They've, they've hooked me. They've got my interest. All right, those were my thoughts on the biggest parts of Raw this week. But now let's get to my interview with Madcap Moss. Did you have any interactions with Corbin prior to being paired together? Yeah, uh, so he was in NXT when I first got there. And uh, honestly, he was like, me and him were always real cool. We we weren't super close. Um, but he, you know, he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And uh, I actually appreciated his take on the business and and it was just a very business-like approach and uh when he went up to the the main roster i really started to admire his work the more i learned about what we we did and just um the way he worked uh the where he got the most out of everything that he did the way he protected his finish all of these things um and i was thoroughly entertained by the broke corbin stuff and uh I had no idea that they were thinking about putting me with him or anything like that. And I actually was on, I was training at the performance center, um, kind of finishing up my rehab. And they told me then that I was going to do, uh, they had me, um, flying out to SmackDown for a dark match. And I had a little, I had some nice clothes with me, but, uh, nothing crazy. Um, and then the day before they told me that I'm actually going to be debuting with Corbin. Um, and this is when he had moved past the bum Corbin stage. And 
was now dressing in extremely nice uh, clothes, as happy, and had hit the jackpot, obviously. And I did not have any super nice clothes to wear, and I didn't know exactly what they wanted me to do. So we were in Philadelphia that day, and my brother lives in Philadelphia. So when I got there, I went to his closet and raided his closet so I could get some nice clothes to bring with me to the venue. But then I ended up not needing them because I disguised myself as just a cameraman before attacking Kevin Owens. But, you know, I, I knew Corbin and I, we had a, a bit of a friendship beforehand, but nothing. Uh, we weren't super close. And but uh, we had kind of admired each other's work and, and what we could bring to the table from afar. And, uh, man, I couldn't imagine have having had a better person to help bring me along and, and kind of teach me in my early stages of this character. I think that Corbin is at such a high level of thought when it comes to the, the, the pro wrestling business, sports entertainment, whatever. Um, I think he's got such a high level of thought that, that fans don't give him enough credit for that. It's such a high level that people think that he just doesn't care from looking at his social media. Like, Oh, he just cares about cooking and smoking cigars and all that kind of stuff. But like, I've had him on the show twice and his mind for the business is just like next level. Like he's on it. He's just thinking about things where he even he'll bring it up to me like off camera. We were talking to the USFL and I'll, he'll say something to me and I'll be like, God, that was a really good point that I didn't even think about, you know, that he's always thinking about that kind of stuff. And it, I feel like it was perfect person to be paired with for that reason. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, he's also extremely, giving and unselfish and he really does he just wants like you're saying he's he's thinking on the next level and it's always about what's just best for the whole story the whole show and so for me coming in uh as a guy who you know i had i had my experience in nxt but they were it even in nxt it wasn't much television and i had a little bit of experience on raw and then raw underground um, but it was nothing major. And then so to come up and then be suddenly thrust into these storylines um, where we had feuds going and we had Halloween street fights and then a Christmas, you know, Miracle on 34th Street fight. And, um, you know, the tag matches and handicap matches and one on one and going against Kofi and all like legends of the business and him kind of guiding me through where I'd say, I am thinking about doing this. And he's like, eh, don't do that um, because this, this, and this, it's not, it's not the type of story you want to tell. It's not the type of message you want to send, especially at this point in the feud or at this point in your career, we're still trying to establish this about you. And just hearing him talk with through things with me and just kind of being able to drink it all in, um, man, I learned so much and I'm so grateful for the time that we spent together. Um, I imagine too, like, you know, before cause you like you'd mentioned some of the other stuff you had done on the main roster but you were kind of out there to some degree on your own the the, the first time and i feel like having someone like corbin to guide you must have made your you know that experience on the main roster uh, much better for you in terms of just learning and growth than than the first two times around yeah it's it not only is he guiding me but he's also uh, allows me to play off of him as i'm out there which i think is really important as as opposed to just going out there and having to establish exactly who i am just on my own you know with a, a five minute uh, monologue on the microphone or something like that you know or even just in a match just trying to establish exactly who i am as opposed to being out there with a guy who I can play off of, we can communicate, we can go back and forth. We can be, he can be mad at me. I can feel sorry. I can, uh, 
he, he can degrade me and I can get angry, all these things that, you know, I can play off of him. So both on screen and behind the scenes, just a huge benefit. And I think that, that especially with the audience too, I, I think I, I heard you and, and Corbin talking about that exactly is coming up and just, he has credibility already. Um, six years, seven years now, maybe of steady television time, the audience knows exactly who he is. And so for me to come up and be a part of him, part of his, uh, his whole presence and presentation, uh, just did wonders for me, helped me get ahead and established in the minds of the, the audience. Okay. So you talked about the style aspect of things. Uh, how did this how did the outfit come together was that a you thing was that them being like this is what you want to wear how did that all go to, come about um so the the initial design was uh their idea um but it had it matched up almost exactly with what i had just bought for the character by chance that week um and i'm not a style guru at all you know i don't i don't know a ton about fashion or style um, and Corbin was out here in these great fancy suits and, uh, you know, tailored shirts and all these, uh, great looking and he, you know, he's got his watch collection and his fedoras. And so it was a bit intimidating. Uh, but then when they sent me the, the design that they had in mind, I thought, yeah, this is different than what Corbin's doing and I can make it my own and pull it off. And then it, as the, so what happened was there was a, there was a SmackDown after, Corbin and I had put Drew out for a month and I came out and pretended to be Drew. I dressed as Drew. Yep. And so along with that, I had no shirt on. And from that point on, as predicted from some of the guys in the locker room, it was decided that I should no longer wear a shirt and that I should also switch from pants to shorts. And so then it went from like the original design of long pants, long sleeve shirt with uh, suspenders, kind of like an old timey jokester cracking, you know, jokes and pranking people. And, you know, I thought it kind of, you know, fit with the, the name Madcap and Happy. We were kind of like old 1930s gangsters. And uh, then suddenly I was just wearing shorts and suspenders and I wasn't entirely sure what the look was. But uh, the, the coolest thing was that people could easily dress play or cosplay sorry dress up as me and corbin you know one guy wears the fedora one guy wears the suspenders it was very unique and a lot of people online complained about it but i think a lot of people liked it too and uh, there were pe people would come up to me and be like listen don't worry we'll get you out of this soon and i was like you don't have to get me out of this i love this this is great i love dressing like this uh, i just thought it, i i thought it was fun um, and unique and uh, it got a reaction and uh, I enjoyed doing it. Yeah. I'm not a very fashionable person either, but I've noticed that like the, the suits with shorts like that seem to be like a thing that people with money are doing now. Yeah. You know, I saw, um, I, I want to say it was Justin Bieber. Uh, someone showed me he was wearing like this oversized suit. Like I, the, when I say the, it's like khaki, I'm, it's a it's like beige or something like that. I saw it too. Yeah, it was like way too big. <laughs> yes. And like I don't know. I guess that's the new thing now. 
Um, it I, is okay. I it is know. coming back, I, I, and then I'm. Con- <laughs> I've seen these pictures because I look at like red carpet photos or whatever on like Twitter or whatever, and I see it being more of a thing of like the baggy clothes coming back. But it's not the baggy clothes that we knew of when we were younger, where like the pants are sagging. It's like they're still. <laughs> Because when we wore bigger pants, like they were sagging, but there's they still have them around like the belt tight, but it's just too big. Everything they're wearing, like it's like oversized, <laughs> like you're in the Talking Heads, outdated term there, but like you're oversized, like a suit, like you're in the Talking Heads, and it confuses the hell out of me. But so much more comfortable looking than tight clothes, so I'm super into it. Right. Okay. So are you telling me that I can't just go back to like my wardrobe from 15 years ago and just pull out the old stuff? Bust it's out the Jinkos. Now bust same. them out. Bust out those Jinkos <laughs> if you still got them, dude. Bust them out. The okay. Jinkos ruled. <laughs> All right. All right. I'll keep it. I'll, I'll keep them ready to go. <laughs> I gotta see. I gotta see it catch on a little more before I go all out for it. I, I'm a follower in the fashion world. I, I, I'm gonna. I'll try and do that for SummerSlam. I'll just buy like a way too oversized suit and wear it around. <laughs> yeah. People will just look at me like, "What is this asshole yeah. doing? Why is his suit so yeah. big?" <laughs> I got. I can't wait to. You got to tell me what the reaction is. I'm, okay. I'll be real curious. You know? I guarantee you, a lot of people will be like, "Hey, you know, you can get your suit tailored, dude." Like. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I know. That, I did. I did. <laughs> I did. Yeah, this is this, this, this is what I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I also get confused by the loafers with no socks. The whole like loafers with no socks thing confuses me. Like they're not loafers. Excuse me. Like they're dress shoes where you're wearing like a full dress suit, pants, everything, oh. but no socks in the loafers. I'm like that seems confusing to me. Yeah, I have I have a few pair of uh, no look socks too, where you actually wear socks, but you just don't let them show. They're very uncomfortable. I, I don't get it either, but I just went along with it because that someone told me to do it. And, uh, you know, like I said, I don't follow the fashion trends enough to know for myself. So I got it at some point. I got to outsource my fashion knowledge somewhere. And I, I did. And the guy at the store told me to probably. And I just went, yeah, that's you say so, man. Wait, the socks are built into the shoes. No, they're just like they're just like really short. Got so it. So they just okay. don't even make it up to the height of the, the Got shoe. Got it. Got it. So they're 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 it's just so you wear something, I guess. So there's I don't know some level of comfort or less uh, sweating in the shoe. Maybe I, I don't even know, but it's just ba- it basically looks like there's you're not wearing socks. I want to look into these because I yeah I, I mean because I. I hate having to roll up my socks. Very annoying. I won't bother you all with sock talk. I apologize. Probably boring you all with my sock thoughts here. All right, that was Madcap Moss. And if you didn't listen to the full interview this week, I highly encourage you to do so. He was a super cool guy, had a lot of interesting stuff to say, and I really enjoyed the conversation that I had with him. So go check that out if you didn't listen to our entire conversation. You will not regret it. It was fun. It was insightful and more. So go check it out. All right, let's get to my thoughts on the biggest parts of SmackDown this week. We had Stephanie McMahon in the ring at the top of the show addressing the fact that Vince McMahon has retired as chairman and CEO from the company. Uh, She starts talking about everything that he's done for the business, and she's clearly emotional while talking about everything. And and while she's talking about Vince, uh, the crowd begins to chant, Thank you, Vince. They don't even let her finish what she's saying. They get right into it of chanting, thank you, Vince. Uh, But she asked them to hold off so she could finish what she was saying. And eventually she closes by asking them to thank Vince, prompting the chant again 
And then she mouthed, I love you, Dad, to the camera. Now, I already did a full podcast on the Vince McMahon news. So if you haven't listened to that yet, check it out in the podcast feed. I did an emergency podcast. Given all of my immediate thoughts on the news once it happened. Um, But, you know, obviously they had to address this as well at the top of the show. Or at least in some fashion during this show. I mean, they multiple times mentioned how it was historic. And it is. It was historic. I mean, uh, a SmackDown that wasn't run by Vince McMahon and where Vince McMahon isn't the one in charge or isn't going to be mad about any contents that, that made it on the show or anything that happened. It's just, I mean, that is historic. It was a big deal that we had a SmackDown, a WWE show, where Vince McMahon was not the CEO and chairman of the company. It's the first one we've had of that, like, it, you know, obviously since the 80s. So, It was a pretty big deal, but it didn't make much of a difference to the show, in my opinion. The show felt like the show we probably more than likely would have seen if he was still there anyways. I think we're going to have to let some time pass before we see any real change to the product. I think it was way too fresh for there to be any much of a difference here. But um, obviously, it was a historic episode because of the fact that Vince McMahon retired today. So it made all the sense in the world for Stephanie McMahon to start things off. She didn't say much, though. She basically just repeated what had already been said online, but letting the WWE Universe know, or at least those who, who aren't on social media, know what's going on in some fashion, which I think they had to do. I think without Vince there, I think you have to tell the audience about what's going on with Vince uh, just for the sheer magnitude of, of historically of how important that was. Lastly, we had the main event, the Usos in theory versus Street Profits and Madcap Moss. Uh, week to week, Madcap Moss continues to show promise. He was great here against the Usos in theory. I think that his face turn is absolutely working. I, I think that he is uh, showing that there's a reason he has been pegged as someone with potential. And I like what he is doing in matches. Theory attempts to walk off during the match, but catches a super kick from Jey Uso instead. Uh, But eventually, Theory rejoins the match and gets the team disqualified after attacking Moss with the Money in the Bank briefcase. And then after he's going ham, he's attacking with the briefcase. And suddenly, a wild Brock Lesnar appears with a smile on his face as he stares at Theory while walking to the ring, <laughs> I laughed so hard at this. You see, like, on Twitter today, it was like, oh, Brock Lesnar walks off of, walks out of SmackDown. He's left the building. Brock has left the building. And a few hours later, he's on the show. Uh, I don't know what happened there, but I thought it was funny that <laughs> and within a few hours, the internet, everything changed from what the, the internet narrative was going into the show always funny when that happens but Brock Lesnar appears with a smile on his face he stares at Theory while walking to the ring and then he goes right after Theory hits him with the F5 then attacks him with the briefcase smiling as the show goes off the air um yeah I I I I think it was a it was a funny end of the show since he was initially promoted for the show, advertised for the show, then pulled from the advertising, then those reports came out, and then Brock came back. Uh, It's very Brock Lesnar-like. You really can't 
figure out what that guy is ever going to do. If you think that you can predict what Brock Lesnar is going to do, you're wrong. He is a man who walks to the beat of his own drum. So I, I laughed here that it was only a few hours for the internet narrative to get dispelled. All right, that's it. I'm done here. I'm tapping out. That was the best of the week. Now, tomorrow, make sure that you come back to this podcast feed. I got intercontinental champion Gunther on the show. Great conversation. You're not going to want to miss it. So please check it out. Before I get out of here, though, make sure that you go follow the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. Go subscribe on there. That's where you can find Add a Character every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific time, as well as clips from the show, clips from Raw and SmackDown, and a bunch more. So go follow and or subscribe. Whatever the proper terminology is, go do it uh, on YouTube. Also follow WWE on Fox on social media, including TikTok. We're going to be posting TikToks ASAP. So go follow it. You're not going to want to miss it. All right. Well, I'll see you guys tomorrow on here. Peace.